Roxo Media House. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast presented by Frogs Today. My name is Grant McGalliard. have alongside with me my co-host, my friend, Parker Fleming. Parker, let's not beat around the bush here. It is Baylor week. I don't like the Baylor Bears. Parker, I don't know how you feel about it. I, um, yeah, I'm generally opposed to them. I think uh, I'm, I'm not for them. I, uh, that, that, that's my, that's my hot take. Um you know, if, if 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 we just made the Bucky's and Temple extend into like a gigantic shopping mall and convenience store that lasted like thirty miles on I thirty and just over pasted over Waco entirely, I think the world would be a better place. There are those two great meat markets, um, like five miles north of Waco. Um, those are both fantastic on either side of I thirty five. Besides that, I, I got nothing to say. Waco is a pretty bad town. There's a great tweet. And I'm not going to get the wording right, and I'm not going to make our listeners um, deal with me looking it up on Twitter. But it's like, if I was in a uh, you know a home team's radio announcer, I'd be saying things like, "These are not good people, folks. These are just bad guys." And and that's how I feel about Baylor. <laughs> Brian Estridge should be on the radio call like, "These are evil folks." And <laughs> that's our offseason wish list is going to be hey when football slows down and basketball slows down be like brian can you just say these like seven phrases so we can have them for a soundboard and like a very good announcer voice <laughs> we're with frogs today we could probably get them to do it i'm saying that's real i'm saying yeah, uh, i know <laughs> the, the, the opportunities that are laid before us are, are boundless and uh and that is one of them so Either they totally sever our partnership or Brian leans into the bit and he's going to listen to this tomorrow <laughs> and we'll find out. It's, it's one of two things. Um, oh my Parker, gosh. You, you and I have a uh, Winsipedia great website pulled up. Uh, I wanted to talk before we got into a preview of Baylor. There have been a lot of really good TCU Baylor. I don't think there's been a normal TCU Baylor game in the last decade. Do you have a particular favorite one that stands out one uh, anything like that yeah okay so it's important to note that in the last what what is this one two three four five six seven tcu is six and one in the last seven compared uh with with Baylor, that's correct which is uh more than i better than i always think it is and better than um Baylor fans in the national media would want you to believe that it is this has been shockingly one-sided especially since it kind of started again in uh, in earnest in 2010, um, Baylor has won just four times against TCU since 2010, and they've played every year since then. Um, so that's for you know, uh, and and two of those wins, might I add, were against a non, no, just one of them were against a non Big 12 TCU. Um, I will say there's there's one game I don't remember at all, which is the 2017 45 to 22. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Did that Couldn't game happen? I, I think that memory was just like, it was just implanted all over our heads and we accepted it as a football game. I, I'm sure I was there. I can't remember that game. Don't remember it at all. Um, it came on the heels of the 62-22 Coach Art Bryle shirts um, where TCU ran for like 500 yards. That was super fun. I don't remember 2017 at all. 2018 was like Jalen Rager doing 
everything for TCU. Um, what a sweet so I, time, the Grayson Mulestein year. Ah, oh, that was the Grayson Mulestein year. That's why we're doing all that weird stuff at quarterback is yeah. because we didn't have a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, God, I forgot about that. Okay. So there's been a couple good ones. Um, so last year, last year has to win. 2021 has to be the best <laughs> one. Um, just because it's like, who would win? A one-loss team bound for the playoff who's going to win the Big 12 championship or a 5-2 kid who's never thrown a college pass before. And and Shad Banks. We can't forget Shad, Shad That Banks. was the original Shad the Banks game. Golden With the golden interception. Um, and so that was really fun. The 62-22 was really fun as well. Uh, I think a lot of people have fond memories of, of 2015, which was a game mm-hmm. in the rain and it was disgusting. And uh, I was in the club and I was warm and and full and um, and happy. So I, I can't commiserate with the rest of you peons during that game, but it was a lot of fun regardless. Um, and I believe 2012, no, 2010 or 2012 was the, we beat Robert Griffin. Golly, I'm old. What I can't remember 20, these years now. That was before I really got into that probably would have been 2012, I think, but well, no, um, he won the, yeah. I'm confirming this. I just can't remember college stats. Okay. We're old. Okay. No, no, no. He's he, so he was 2010, 2010 was yeah, the so Weavey Baylor. Robert Griffin did that stupid, like whatever. He's a nice guy. That's fine. He said a lot of good things about TCU. Um, I, he still played where he played and for whom he played for. That doesn't yeah, change any of that that's about not, him. I, I think RG is a good dude. He's just, he's a good I dude. don't. Yeah, it's good. It's he's a villain. I'm saying he's a villain just because he went to Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the 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 particular thing is like that year, his whole like Heisman thing, he was like he would throw a touchdown pass and then like do a little back roll on the ground or whatever. And mm-hmm. he did that like after the first touchdown pass, and then it was they didn't score again. <laughs> <That game>. So <laughs> which is very uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's been good, it's been stressful, it's been um generally what happens with the last two years notwithstanding is that Baylor wins by one score in a close game or TCU just blows the door off of them. Um, so, so, so that's my thing is I, I, I'm i not sure there's been a normal game. I, I think 2020 you may count as normal because TCU like hopped out to a really big lead. Uh, if I remember correctly, I was in Green, Texas uh, at a beer garden and not watching that game, uh, but I was following it on my phone. And... Right next to the grist mill? It's like a little down by the yes, river right we, thing right there? Oh, I love we it. Ate, yeah. We ate at the grist mill for lunch um, and then went to a big beer fan. garden after um great restaurant uh and tcu hopped out to a lead but they were very bad and probably shouldn't have won that game um but no but baylor was down dude baylor, baylor was they down were so down bad. but and tcu went up i want to say tcu went up like 30 to nothing at one point no, they did and they just they shut did. it down yeah they did and they held on and it ended 33 to 23 so that's my thesis is that i think the last normal game may have been the 2017 game which now that I remember correctly, uh, that was the game with the fight on the field. Um, where like I think both benches cleared. I was at a playoff game covering high school football in Brownwood, Texas, and uh, following it on my phone. And there was like a fight on the field. I have no memory of this game. I'm looking at the play-by-play right now. Oh, okay, because so TCU is this is this is last game of the season or second to last game of the season. And Second TCU yep. is going to the Big 12 championship, and that was the whole thing. I think Gary had said something about it, like, we're not going to let them bait us into anything. And then somebody and then still did. got tossed 
because they got in a fight on the sideline when they were beating the ever-loving heck out of them. Baylor went up nine to zero in that game. That's okay. All right, all right. I'm there. Yeah. I remember that. No, game. yeah, I was I'll, there. But again, there hasn't been a normal game, and so this this is what makes you nervous. Is sure TCU on paper should win this game, even if by your numbers, and we'll get to this, is not by a lot. But this is always super weird, and people throw the cliche out. You know, hey, toss the record books when these two teams get together. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying weird shit happens, and pardon the cuss, when TCU and Baylor play each other. Well, we've we've talked about this. We've talked about we know the price. We understand that last year TCU ruined Baylor's good season and mm-hmm. that it's setting up very nicely for Baylor to ruin TCU season. And we understand how the logic of college football works. I'm emotionally prepared for that. I'm not. It's not going to be, it's not going to be fun, but I'm saying that's so very on the table that you, you need to be conditioning yourself now to say, this is the way that college football works out sometimes. I have a friend who I haven't seen in a year and a half. who went to Baylor. Um, She's going to be in town and she's coming over just for like 30 minutes during this game. Um, uh, Just to hang out for a bit, um, her and her fiance. And, And I am so like I'm, I'm like, dude, you've got to leave. Like I, I can't yeah. do this. Get out uh, of my. House. I'm, I'm not gonna watch a game with with Baylor fans. No, that's that's not gonna happen. Um, uh, for for me at all. So I understand that. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, like last year. Okay, let me just we'll just get in the mud for a second. Last sure. year, um, we we're sitting in our tickets, our season tickets that we own, and uh, that I haven't used this year. But TC's winning, so that's okay. And. There's like a woman next to me who is like screeching. I'm I am all for like, let's have a few beers and let's yell at the refs, whatever. Like, that's fine. Live your life. I respect your decision to do that. She like every play was squealing. And so what happened is people around her that were TCU fans, she was a Baylor fan, started yelling at her every play. Like, if you just yelled a little louder, maybe they would have tackled it. <laughs> if you just yelled a little louder, maybe you wouldn't have thrown that interception. And she got very angry. It was... um. I don't want to use a slur, but she was very much a a, a prototype of a Karen um, oh. and uh, had the haircut, was very much looking for some kind of recourse for people kind of ganging up on her. But there are very few times where I've been like, oh, someone in the stands is so poignantly obnoxious that uh, we, we need to come together and bully this person. So they stop. And this was one of those few times where it was justified. So two things. One, Hugh Freeze just wished, just wished uh, Chip Gaines a happy birthday on Twitter the other day. I just want to let that stand. Two, I actually had – so the one time I've sat beside a Baylor fan during a game was when me and Shehan Jayaraja, friend of the pod, CBS Sports reporter, were uh, in the press box for the 2019 game. Uh, he was writing for Dave Campbell's at the time. And you want to talk about a weird game. That was when TCU allowed Baylor to drive down, kick a field goal. That was the was Max in, was Max not in game. Yeah. And by the end of it, neither of us really cared who won. We were just so enthused by the insane things happening in that game that uh, no cheering in the press box, of course. But it was a very, very entertaining uh Entertaining experience sitting next to a Baylor fan uh, watching all that happen. <laughs> it yeah. So I mean, like you said, weird stuff happens in in this game, um, and and generally it's I mean, I, I don't know. In in if we took the labels off of this, 
and you just said, Hey, one team had a really great season last year. They got ruined by the other team. And then this other team is having a very good season. I'm very worried that like the college football gods are, 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 are calling for the rent this week. I'm very oh, yeah. worried about that. If okay. Not go like, Oh, national media doesn't understand. Take everything you know about Bedlam, like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And if TCU and Baylor were brands like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, this would be one of the funniest rivalries in the country. Because weird things happen all the time. Like, it's not like Bedlam where, hey, anything can happen, and then Oklahoma wins. It's anything can happen at all, point blank. Weird stuff goes on. Um, Parker, we should actually talk about the game. I don't know where to start. We have if that's to. okay with you, we have to. Why don't we actually do something correct for once? And why don't you lead us off with some uh, first principles and, and tell us about Baylor? The Baylor Bears are started off very poorly there. I couldn't even say the word Bears correctly. The Baylor Bears are six and four on the season, Grant. They are two and three in or three and two, excuse me, in their last five games. They've beaten Oklahoma close. They whopped. Uh, Womped Texas Tech. They um, pulled away from Kansas in a game that was close on the merits. Some special teams kind of helped them win uh, by two scores. They lost a game to West Virginia where um, the Blake Shapin went out. They had the backup quarterback who's just not very good and not very prepared. Um, but I will tell you, Grant, the backup quarterback was not playing defense and they still let Kansas, uh, West Virginia score 40 points. So, been a mm-hmm. rough, rough little stretch. And then you add in last week, Grant, they play Kansas State. They're hosting them at home. They do a blackout um, and they fall behind 17-0, kick a field goal before halftime, and then just do not show up in the second half. They get outscored 21 to nothing. Just, I mean, an absolute um, whomping. They they go for fourth down, you know, on their own. uh, On uh, What is this exact number? I want to get this right because I don't want to say it. They, yeah, they go for it on fourth and three at the 19, their own 19. They don't get it. Kansas Tough state team. scores. They go for it on their Yeah. They, they just, they cannot get the ball um, across the field. They try every stop. It just doesn't work. It doesn't seem like they're playing very hard and, and they get uh, just absolutely torched. They average grant 34.8 points per game compared to TCU's 40.5. Weirdly enough, grant TCU is allowing 25.2 points per game. And Baylor is allowing 25.2 points per game. They don't have common opponents yet. I mean, totally, but um, kind of interesting there. I will say it's, it's, I will use this opportunity to flag TCU is averaging 40.5 points per game and they only scored 17 against Texas last week. That's, that's incredible. Uh, And as it turns out, TCU has a lot of really good players on offense that were uh, also on the team last year. And it turns out if you unleashed them, they're good. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna wait for the dust to settle on this season before we do the hate and ass retrospective. I know, but I let know, me tell I know, you, I know, but... Grant, I'm gonna find um, a, a, a pimp coat and a chalice full of something, and we are gonna sit here in front of God and everybody and do a hate and ass retrospective. I, on this I, I I can't tell you how much I'm censoring myself for the joke I want to yeah. make. Um, yeah, yeah I think that that might even have to be like we toss a link out there. And if you're on Twitter, that 20 minutes you're allowed in and we don't record it, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, Grant, maybe we'll just get on a zoom call by ourselves and do that for our own. Edification. I'm also Probably fine with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Baylor is 24th in EPA per play margin. 
TCU is 14th. Baylor's offense is 24th. Their defense is 61st. So very atypical Dave Aranda team. Grant, when we talked about this team in the offseason, we um, talked about how they have good players, but they just, you like turnover is something you have yeah. to deal with in college football. You can't escape the realities of turnover, especially when you lose guys like they did. I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Jalen Petrie doesn't grow on a tree, right? And no. uh, you can't just go pluck another one of those guys. And and look, they got Jackson player, but it's not like that was going to be a, a huge impact position because they already have Siaki Ika and like other people have to play around them. All that to say, this defense has taken a huge step back. And because Baylor got a ton of the bounces last year, they have gotten almost none of the bounces this year. And in fact, some of the bounces have gone the exact opposite of the way they went last year. There's some regression baked in there as well. Um, they've taken a step back. We see their floor. Their floor is still, you know, eight and four, seven and five, still very much on the table. I wouldn't say this is an absolute disaster season, but it is the natural progression of, hey, when you have turnover, this is what happens. Um I'll go very briefly, both sides of the ball on the units, and then we'll we'll talk about, we can dive into whichever one you want. Baylor on offense, 36th in EPA per pass, 23rd in EPA per rush. They're 108th in rush rate over expected. They are running the ball a ton. That is highlighted by their win against Oklahoma, where Richard Reese had 130 rush yards in the first half grant, and Baylor ended up with a total of 281 yards and still only won the game by three. One more time, tell people what a what does being 108th in rush rate over expected mean? Just just, so, just because I know some we talked about this yeah. forever. Just a refresher. Being first in rush rate over expected means that you are passing more than anyone else in the nation, okay. relative to down distance and yard line. So it's kind of confusing to take just rush rate, like how many what percentage of plays are rushes, mm -hmm. for two reasons. One, because until like two weeks ago, I didn't have good data that separated out scrambles uh, from, from actual designed rushes. Sure. Now I do. So I can say, all right, given the down distance and yard line and the game state, how much time's left on the clock, how many points are, like what's the point differential, how often do you run the ball relative to what an average team does? Um, I like passing, so I say passing is better as one, right? So if you pass more, Mississippi sure, State, I think, is but, first but, overall and in, in rush rate ever expected because they're passing more than anyone. And I'm guessing Navy um, and Army are last. Yep. They yep. are literally 130th, 131st. And then, uh, and and so so 108th in rush rate ever expected means Baylor is rushing 7.2 percentage points more than the average team in any given situation. Gotcha. Okay. That's great. No, that's uh, just, again, just wanted to refresh it. but it is interesting based on the personnel Baylor has. We'll get to that in a minute, but sorry to interrupt you. Um, please finish. I our think first the only thing I had last to do was to talk about the defense. They are 57th yeah. in EPA per pass, 68th in EPA per rush. And notably grant, despite being 46th in early downs EPA, they are 95th and fourth and uh, third and fourth down success allowed. Very, very bad there where they were very very good last season it's very much a a movable object versus a stoppable obstruction tcu is 78th in uh third and fourth down success at 39.95 percent baylor is 95th as you said in the country at 45 percent so um gotta be interesting to watch what happens on, on on third and fourth down because neither that's neither team's uh uh way the they definitely like something's going to have to happen on third and fourth down. So that's, that's well, and, what this game is going to be. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> and you look at the reverse. Like Baylor's really good on offense on uh, 
on third and fourth down. They're 11th in the country, 53.49%. TCU, not bad on defense, 39th. That's above average, um, 39.75% success rate allowed. So um, kind of a, 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 a clashing of styles. Indeed. Um, do you want to talk about the offense or the defense first? Actually, I want to spend 30 seconds talking about a stat, and then we'll talk about the offense. Is that okay? Okay. TCU is uh, points per echo. Uh, got, how much was that tanked by the Texas game? Because now they're 84th at 4.28 points per quality possession. Um, boy, that's that's not good. And I, yes, I wonder we- how much they were – I mean, I can go look up what you tweeted last week, but I'm curious how much that changed. Um, wait, that should be better. Yes. Yeah, so TCU. Texas. Oh, sorry, that's on defense. I, I'm so sorry. That's on I, defense. I yes. yes. So let I, me look I at totally where they're they're seven, they're seven. points per echo yeah. on offense, which is five point oh two. One thing that I do with the points per echo is I give you the expected value of field goal, so they're not penalized for missing field goals necessarily because they attempted them. Because I'm mm-hmm. measuring quality, not field goal. I'm measuring offensive quality, not field goal accuracy. Um, TCU, Texas. So honestly, not Listen, very listeners. Yeah. This is the point where you realize that I'm an idiot because I misread that stat, but we're, we're going to get something valuable out of it anyway. Cause Parker's looking this up. Well, I just had a moment of heartbreak or a heart stopping moment. Cause I was like, wait, are no, these the no, exact I'm, same, I'm but everything else moron. changed. Yeah. Okay. From the Texas game, this is actually a good exercise grant and we should write this down and do this more often. Okay. Last week, TCU was 11th in EPA per pass. They are mm-hmm. 16th this week. They were 16th in EPA per rush last week. They are 27th in EPA per rush this week. Interesting. 15th, because they, yeah, they ran the ball well last week. That's that's curious to see that it changed. Yeah, at, at times. And then they had some negative at rushes. At times, well. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 15th in echo rate last season, or last week, 15th in echo rate this week. Seventh in points per echo last week, seventh in points per echo this week. So some of that is helped by the field goal value. Um, yeah. But also you have a lot of possessions. It's hard for that to go down. Field position didn't change much. Um, but the big difference is last week they were 40, they were 68th in third and fourth down success. TCU was uh, 41.7% average on third and fourth down success. This week, they're 78th. So they moved from the neutral to the bad category. We get some red there. And on early downs, they were sixth in EPA last week. They are ninth in EPA this week. So definitely some regression we see, especially on the play-by-play metric for TCU's um, game against Texas last week. That would be a fun Sunday segment, Grant. I'm going to write that down and then promptly forget about it. But like, hey, Mm. what did we see? And like, I could probably calculate this just for the game and we could look at well, that. I, that would be I can, I can conduct my own research, which means going back to your Twitter and finding out what you had on hat last week, but no, that's very interesting. Um, and again, apologies to the listeners for me screwing that up. Parker, let's talk about offense and let's start with Blake Shapin because going into the year, it, I tried to listen back and see what you and I thought about Shapin. I was pretty high on him. I thought he had a lot of arm talent. Um, I thought he kind of, Threw the ball casually, but in a good way, right? Uh, I remember uh, you said the phrase joie de vivre a bunch about Blake Shapin. I, I did. Didn't understand yes. No, it, for sure. And, and I um, I don't remember what rapper, look at the flick of the wrist, but um, <laughs> that's that, that's what I thought about Blake Shapin. Like his, his, uh, I, I, what does it say I, about I thought, our podcast that it's more likely that, that we said look at the flick of the wrist than we did actually say joie de vivre in, in, in serious? You know what? I, I think it's actually more likely that we said joie de vivre. <laughs> but anyway, oh my god! Um, 
oh, there's a music thing we'll talk about off air. Anyway, um, I, I I thought he had a lot of arm talent, and it's interesting because Blake Shapen has not been trusted to throw the ball a ton. He's only thrown more than 35 passes twice. He randomly threw the ball against Oklahoma State 45 times. Uh, and then besides that, he's thrown at 37 against Texas Tech, no more than 31 uh, any other time except BYU, which is double overtime if he threw it 32 times. Um, or, and, and, and those are dropbacks, so not not throws. But um, I, I feel like he has more arm, arm talent than Baylor is trusting him to, and he's not throwing the ball downfield. His average at the target is 9.2 yards. Um, and he's only averaging 7.7 yards per attempt. So I think he has more potential than Dave Aranda is letting him throw. But Parker, what's your read on uh, on Blake Shapen? I think that Blake Shapen has the potential to be a fine college quarterback. And when they ask him to do things well, he is, um, or when they ask him to do the right things, he is um, capable of, of doing them. Um, I do think that they don't trust him to a fault. You look at the BYU game, for instance, when they they just really stopped throwing, especially down the stretch, because he had a couple turnover-worthy plays, and they said, ah, maybe we're going to shut this down. Um, I, I think when you look at their, their pass game, they have uh, 1,025 yards after the catch, Grant. They have 2,370 total yards, just doing some quick arithmetic. That's 43% of the yards are after the catch on a mm-hmm. 9.3 A dot. I think that there is some acknowledgement of the limitations of what they want to ask Shapen to do and the burden that they want to put on his shoulders. And I think that they believe rightfully in some cases that they have a stable of very fast wide receivers and they would like to get the ball out as quickly as possible to them running in space. Um, and so I, I don't know that I'm necessarily going to penalize Blake Shapin for the way that they've gone about this offense, but I will say the um, rumors of him being, um, you know, some kind of savior that was going to come in and totally fix the bailout. Like that was nonsense from the start. I think most of us knew that sure. the, the fact is like, he's an athletic kid. He played baseball um, and has potential to run a competent offense and be a fine college quarterback. You just have to remember that you, you really shouldn't change your perceptions dramatically about a kid who had what career 80, 80 completions or sorry, 80 yeah, attempts like in that. 2021. Yeah. And then no meaningful, meaningful football was played uh, for, you know, six months. And, and, and people were talking about him being, you know, top of the top of the big 12 no, and, and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's super weird. Because, so me being an idiot, the, watching Baylor's last couple games last year, when Blake Shapen was quarterback, I was like, man, this guy's slinging it. He's going downfield. This is sick. He's got an awesome arm. He's challenging everything. His average depth of target last year was 8.9 yards. It is lower than it is uh, this year. He's at 9.2. Um, I think our, our, and by our, I mean mine. I'm using the royal we here. Um, our, our perceptions of him were a bit inflated by a couple of really good games last year um, and his success in the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma State. Um, he, he also... His receivers are fast. Parker, 10% of his passes have been dropped. Uh, Look, if Gavin Holmes, I think they had five drops against Oklahoma State. If Gavin Holmes, I think that's right, catches the ball a couple times there, they probably beat that. Like they should have beaten that Oklahoma State team. That was that was embarrassing that they couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, Gavin Holmes has dropped, uh, let me make sure I get this right, uh, 8.3% of passes thrown his way. Quaylen Jones, who's been targeted 29 times, has dropped 
22.7%. Yeah, we'll get to receivers in a minute, but uh, Blake isn't necessarily being helped out by his receiver's hands. Um, He's... This always sounds like an insult when we say it. He is going to be a really fine college quarterback, and that is not an insult because we have set it up Max Duggan, and we love Max Duggan. That's what we so, say all the time. Like, what? Yeah, what man. do you want? I don't. I don't get this. This is okay. This is a problem of our of our attention economy poison brains, Grant. Because mm-hmm. no one can just say, "Hey, he's going to be pretty good. He's going to struggle sometimes, and like he's going to be fine." They have to say he's the worst, or he's going to be an NFL draft pick. It's like, dude. You can just find a very happy middle and say, I don't have to define things in terms of boom and bust cycles. This is a college football podcast. I don't care if it's going to start for the Carolina Panthers in 2023. Don't care. I care about what he's doing in college. Yeah. I don't care that he's like, like Brock Purdy is a white quarterback who played four years in college. So he's going to get drafted and just hang around because he's a locker room guy. Like that's, that's, that's something that happens. I don't know that I'm going to judge his college career based on the fact that he hangs out in an NFL locker room for for four years right like can i ask you this is a total aside do you think there's any chance an nfl team drafts spencer petrus maybe if they're like hey man can we just see like your like get your ipad from iowa and get your like special teams <laughs> drills or something um i don't I'm just, I, I think that's mean I think and that's a pot shot at spencer i i just was probably going to be a really good, I don't know what Spencer Petrus major is. Um, I was going to say car salesman, but who knows? He could be studying. No, that's that's in Bennett. Um, if he's that we, bad, maybe he's studying like chemical engineering or something. He'll make more money than I do. I can guarantee it. And I hope he lives oh, to have it. That's a really low bar. <laughs> okay. Spencer Petrus is let's, major. <laughs> did you just say? We you have to cut that out. No, I don't. <laughs> We're leaving that in. Parker, let's oh talk about the God. running backs. Yeah, you can tell my ADHD brain's in full force because I'm very committed to understanding what Spencer Petrus's major is. Okay, while you do that, I, I will okay. highlight Richard Reese, who has rushed 165 <laughs> times. He's an interdepartmental studies major. Oh, no, damn it! Life is truly okay. a gift. Well, um, yeah, he'll be a good. Maybe he'll test um, well at the combine. Who knows? No, he's gonna coach. He's gonna go coach high school and be fine. It's fine. Yeah, he'll, he'll be great. Um, Richard Reese has rushed 165 times, average of 5.2 yards per attempt, 13 touchdowns on the season, 27 first downs, two point. Nine yards or 27 attempts that have gone more than 10 yards. Um, other running backs include Quaylen Jones, uh, 60, 68 attempts, 5.4 yards per attempt. Craig Williams, uh, 73 attempts, 5.7 yards per attempt. So Baylor has three running backs that are averaging more than five yards per attempt. And all three have more than 10, uh, or, excuse me, 10 or more uh, rushes over 10 yards. So a decent running back core uh, for Baylor. Yeah, and we really thought it was going to be Williams and McWilliams kind of before the season. Yeah. Uh, and, and and Squirrels coming back from an injury and looked great in that Oklahoma game. But Richard Reese as a freshman has really um, stepped up in a way I don't think a lot of people He's saw. Quick, I mean, thir- dude. Yeah. 13 He's touchdowns, man. 13 touchdowns. Yeah. And this, I mean, this rushing unit has 
31 touchdowns total. Like that's, that's very impressive. Reese is yeah. quick and 32 missed tackles force. Like I think you just said, um, very, very good. Grant, one thing to note, they are running mostly zone, not gap schemes. I think that's mm-hmm. interesting with TCU's kind of spill and kill because with the gap schemes, sometimes you can get kicked out. Sometimes you can get moved with the zone. It's going to be a little bit harder to kind of suck up those gaps and, and fill up space because they're trying to move you vertically. So there's going to have to be some, uh, sorry, they're trying to move you horizontally. There's going to have to be some vertical mm-hmm. push by TCU's defensive line to really disrupt this, this wide zone rushing attack. That's, that's something that TCU has not seen this, this season. It hadn't I think seen Colorado but, ran it a couple of times, but who cares? But it's Colorado who, who cares? I, I if Don Williams and Dylan Horton can um, duplicate their production from the Texas game last week, um, Don moved the center of the line. Uh, Dylan Horton was great on the edge. I think there's potential to uh, to achieve that, but they're, they're going to have to do it again, and that's not necessarily easy. Um, no, it is not. No. Um, trying to point out one of my favorite facts about the yeah. Baylor run game. Um, mm-hmm. Dylan Doyle has five attempts. He only has nine yards, but um, they bring Dylan Doyle, who's a linebacker, in as a fullback, <laughs> yeah. um, and that's very fun to me. Um, he could probably play fullback in the NFL because he can like line up and be versatile and. Uh, might be might be useful at that but um he yeah they 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 just bring him in a lot of short yardage situations that really changes the game to give them an extra push and i think that's very innovative and i want to reward that that's also something to look out for as you know tcu is 40th in in quality possession uh rate in echo rate but they're 84th in points per echo they are letting teams finish drives pretty well and they're giving up you know when they're not giving up an explosive touchdown, they are letting teams get in the end zone when they get across the 40. Um, especially if you get to goal line situation, you think, hey, Baylor's offense isn't that efficient. They're going to have to make this count. They're going to have to you know, drag out multiple plays, squeeze out at the margins. I think we'll see a lot of Dylan Doyle in fourth and short situations and goal line situations this this week as well. Two things. One, Dylan Doyle, also Baylor's leading tackler, which is pretty impressive that they call yeah. him in on that situation. Parker, uh, the second thing, are you aware of the uh, Jerome Bettis stat? My, maybe my favorite NFL stat. Jerome Bettis is like like third in touchdowns and 900th in total yards or something. No, it's a, he had a game where he rushed for three touchdowns and one yard. <laughs> <laughs> they literally only just gave it to him on the goal line and he scored three touchdowns. That is a, that is Dylan Doyle's mantra. Um, let's talk about the receiving core, unless there's anything else to talk about. Uh, in the run no, yeah, game, I think, I think we can move over there with the run yeah. game. Um, Al Presley leads him in in, uh, in receiving, but we'll get to this. I, I just want to address it up front. TCU's going to have to cover Ben Sims at tight end, and I, I I don't necessarily know who's going to take that role. And I think that they're going to have to. Yeah, I, I'm almost glad that Texas in the second half was like rolling out packages for Jatavion yeah. Sanders because it was like, oh, thank you. Let's stress test this. And TC actually held that pretty well. And considering that Baylor doesn't have a Xavier worthy to kind of challenge you downfield mm-hmm. in that same way, I, I'm very interested to see how TCU can, um, yeah, can bottle up Ben Sims and still effectively deny the the Presley Baldwin Holmes um, kind of front there as as well yeah so that's how presley um 12.3 yards per attempt or excuse me per reception ben sims uh, at tight end is 8.2 he's he's very much a hey let's get a first down um 
looking down, he leads Baylor in first downs. At, at, so 20 of his catches of his 29 receptions have gone for first downs. Pretty good. Uh, Monterey Baldwin, uh, 17 yards per reception. And Gavin Holmes is a deep threat. 21.4 yards per reception on 22 receptions. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of options. Um, Baldwin and Holmes line up in the slot and just kind of slice and dice uh, people there. Um, but, yeah, no, there's... What, what stands out cover. to me is that no one really has... If you look at yards per route run and kind of productivity score, um, mm-hmm. it's not like in 2021 they had Tyquan Thornton who averaged... Thornton was a monster, man. Yeah, I mean, was was just all over the place between him and him and Snead. That number is actually a little lower than I thought. Two point two point six eight yards per route run. Um, and you look at they have you know Holmes is two point nine, Monterey Baldwin's two point six four. So they're like getting more guys involved, but they don't have one guy that's like obviously their option, their kind of go to. Sims has really filled that role, but he's on the field so much without getting the ball. Um, He's he's pretty low in that he's he's only averaging one point one yards per route run. That's that's um, negligible. Basically, he's very situational. He's kind of a red zone monster. We talked about that. I think they would do better to throw him the ball in more situations. Frankly, well, I, I um, go ahead. I, I I think if TCU used like Jared Wiley more like Ben Sims, there'd be success. I mean, I, I, like I said, Ben Sims has twenty catches for first downs. Um, that's kind of the model of like a tight end where it's like, hey, run eight yards, turn around, you're big. I'm gonna throw it to you. Yep. That's, you know, I mean, if you look at his average, like I said, 8.2 yards for reception, um, yards after catch is uh, uh, 3.8. So not a lot. Like it, it's just, hey, throw it, I'll catch it, turn around and dive. And that's kind of the goal. And I, I think that, um, especially in the modern Big 12, people really take that for granted. Look at how bad Iowa State's offense is without kind of the Charlie Kolar. Yeah. Some of that, a lot of that is losing Purdy. A lot of that's losing uh, Brees Hall, but um, they they don't have that tight end get out of third down free option, and uh, and 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 that can really really raise your offensive floor there because um, especially if you can't create on early downs, having that hey my quarterback can make one move and then find this guy and we can get reliably six to eight yards on a third down is it's extremely valuable. Yep. Um, what else sticks out to you about wide receivers? I mean, I, we talked about Presley Baldwin Holmes, kind of the three main guys, Quaylen Jones, uh, at running back. Um, sometimes we'll kind of go out a little bit. Um, he's been out wide three times, been in the slot three times. He's their main pass catching running back, but, uh, is there anything else? Quaylen Jones average depth of target is 0.7 yards and he has Correct. caught just 58.6% of his passes. Um, I don't love that if I'm Baylor, um, because it seems <laughs> yeah. like you're trying to check down and make something happen and maybe not making something happen. He's got a 33.1 receiving grade grade at 20.4 drop grade. And he is fourth in the team in tar, uh, in, sorry, not in, in uh, fifth, fifth in, in, targets, yeah. in targets. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's not ideal. Uh, it's not for, ideal. For... Yeah. And, and, and Monterey Baldwin is an actual wide receiver and drops 11.1% of his passes. Um, so not, you know, they're working great. on it. They're a work in progress, right? Buddy, um, I can't catch passes. So right. I, don't, I don't know to tell you. Yeah. But, but legitimately like all those guys, except Ben Sims, I think are coming back next year. Um, yes. they have a deep stable of guys and they're at the bottom of their development cycle right now. Like that's, it's going to be weird. It's going to be wonky. 
It's going to be weird. Uh, I should also say uh, real quick before we go to the offensive line, um, watch a little bit of Baylor film. If you're a TCU fan, um, Baylor will go under center. That's something a lot of Big 12 teams don't do. They are not afraid to go, hey, single back. We're going to pitch it to Richard Reese, whoever, let him run it. Um, they go pistol. Um, just be aware they're going to do everything in the book. Um, they, that, yeah, if, if you were annoyed by the PA rollout boot that like West Virginia and Texas Tech tried to run and ran successfully against TCU, um, Baylor's going to have some annoying PA boot packages. A I think, lot of annoying shit. Yeah. Um, stuff. I'm sorry for our bosses. Um, Parker, let's talk offensive line real we, quick. We have to stop addressing. I know. Our, <laughs> like their characters. I know. They're, um, We're going to get, it, Brian's going to text us and be like, guys, can you stop talking about me so much on this podcast? <laughs> uh, Baylor has, uh, Pretty consistent offensive line. They rotate in some dudes um, at a at right guard and right tackle. But Micah Makuza, uh, Jacob Gall, and Connor Galvin um, or Galvin, excuse me, Gall starts at center. Micah Makuza is left guard. Galvin is left tackle. Galvin has allowed five sacks on the season. Not outstanding, but a decent offensive line for what you're looking for. It, it gets worse when they rotate in guys. Mose Jeffrey has played 161 snaps at right guard and has a, a, a PFF grade of 69. Um, he, he's, he's not all that good, um, but an offensive line that will get the job done. It's, it's probably a 5% better. I would say than TCU's offensive line, for example. Well, this is a situation. So, so they're top 20 in both passing and rushing blocking um, mm-hmm. grades for, for PFF for whatever that means. Again, Always a standard disclaimer. Um, but I, I uh, one thing that kind of stood out to me is that um, Richard Reese as a running back has a 7.2 pass block grade and they've only asked him to pass block four times. Um, Sorry. If they're, they're, oh God, 7.2. Holy but hell. only four snaps, right? So low yeah, pass yeah, grade, yeah. but low snaps. Because if they're going to pass and have him in protection and have to keep him in, um, they're, they're going to have to get him off the field. And so I think yeah. that's a really valuable way that TCU with sim pressures and with bringing extra guys and maybe blitzing can force Baylor to keep a sixth or seventh guy in uh, on passes there and kind of lock them up on, on play action even um, could go a long way towards taking kind of a, a ceiling of one time for passes to develop downfield and two complexity of routes to develop. Um, where Baylor is not able to run their full route tree, kind of similar to the frustrating thing we saw with TC's offense last year. Um, if if you have to keep extra guys in protection, that just limits the plays that you can physically run and the yeah. creativity that Baylor can can go, e- even as we know Baylor's probably going to be emptying the bag this weekend. Yeah, and we saw it last week, even with Jared Wiley having to sit back in, 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 uh, in pass blocking and right. protect against the uh, Texas pass rush, and they couldn't release him for routes. Um, two things. One, I just realized I mispronounced. It's Micah Mazkua. Um, I, I mispronounced the name earlier. Second, Mazkua also has six penalties from the left guard position, which is pretty difficult to do. That is almost player X territory in terms of uh, accumulating penalties. So something to watch out yep. for. Uh, he's number yep. 65. They um, they have been. I, I've been tracking that earlier in the season. And you know how you ever, you ever forget happened to me. Um, and, uh, was tracking, like they were in Take their off first the hat. Games, <laughs> um, sorry, that is a joke for the wrong white fans out there. <laughs> um, in their first three games, I think they had like 
some ridiculous number of penalties, um, like eight yeah. maybe. And, uh, and, and that was very, you know, again, counter to the narrative of last year of like, Hey, they're really well disciplined and they don't commit penalties. And it's like, sometimes you just, you know, flags get thrown your way. And, yeah. um, and so definitely some regression there as well from the offensive line. Um, I don't know if drawing penalties is a replicable skill for TCU. I don't, I don't feel like they've been particularly bad or good at it at overall, but Baylor has been a little bit penalty prone, especially in key spots this season in a way that they weren't last year, because again, Grant, Turnover is hard and mitigating it is hard. Even if your coach is doing the right thing, uh, you're not going to win 10 games every year. Let's take one minute um, before we switch off to the defense. I still really like Dave Aranda. I think he's a really good head coach. Um, I think he could probably give Nick Saban fits at Auburn in the coming years. Jesus Christ. Hold on, wait. I, I just thought about a scenario where Lane Kiffin goes to Auburn. I'm trying to think of Dave Aranda at Ole Miss, like a very nice, like calm human being, having to deal with the nut jobs in Oxford. I don't think that the nut jobs in Oxford are that much different than the nut jobs in Waco. Oh, um, I, I do, but that's that's fine. Anyway, it, it, that was just an excuse to say. I like Dave Aranda. I think he's a good dude. It's it makes it very hard to dislike Baylor because they, I I like Dave Aranda. If you are rooting to get, um, if you're rooting to get Dave Aranda out of Waco, which and I'm I am, not, but um, oh, I am. You really would like Nebraska to win this weekend and Minnesota to win this weekend, so that um, Jim Leonard finishes five and seven and they don't feel like they're confident in him running the program and Wisconsin makes him a godfather offer. Oh, that is super interesting. Well, yeah, he's at Wisconsin. Remember? Yeah, that's right. Well, Gary Patterson is going to be the next head coach at Nebraska. Um, the fact, oh man. Okay. We're going <laughs> no, to go. No, defense. we're not doing this. That was the that was fact provoked. that Gary Patterson tweeted about that is the funniest damn thing <laughs> that I think has happened in college football this year. Um, I was, I was trying to provoke the, you for, for all for the time. rehab. The man still can't help, but check Twitter. He's one of us, Parker. He's a poster. He's, he's got poster <laughs> brain. Surely you have better things to be doing with your time than not, dispelling rumors from 95. We all like, we all like to post Parker. Let's talk about the Baylor defense. Um, solid unit. Um, Garmin Randolph at edge has uh, five sacks. Matt Jones has three from linebacker. Gabe Hall from wanna, the inside. I just want to point out, yeah, that they're not a solid unit. I think they're not great. Okay, and I think well, they're flawed in a okay. certain direction. But well, their defensive there. line what? is good. I think their defensive line is is unequivocally good. So I, I thought I was drawing a distinction for you of you said solid unit, and you started to talk about the defensive line. You're going to their pass rush, which I think has been. Pretty pretty decent overall. Okay. Um, yeah, 100, 187 uh, pressures. Tony Franklin and, and Garmin Randolph, very productive pass rushers. Um, absolutely. Gabe Hall and Siaki Ika in the middle are um, excellent pass rushers as well. All four of those guys are on NFL radars. All four of those guys, including Bryson Jackson, um, are are you know quote unquote prospects. Very very talented. Very very deep unit. And you have Jackson player just hanging out in the background. Well. Hanging out who's being cool as hell. But Parker, leave me there. I mean, is it the um, 
Is it the back end that you're worried about? I mean, Al Walcott at, at corner and AJ McCarty, Mark Milton. You got uh, uh, Devin Neal, Christian Morgan, Devin Lemire at safety. Who's who, who are the guys you're you're not necessarily uh, sold on? So I think this run defense is a lot worse than it needs to be. It's 103rd in rushing success rate allowed. Grant 68th in EPA per rush. Right. So they're taking off the rushing. They're taking off the ceiling. Right. They're not getting these big hmm. kind of um, you know I'll say like Kendra Miller big runs. They're not popping off against them, but um, they're, they're, yeah, they're, 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 they're really good to like recover and make sure that, you know, a, a 40 yard run doesn't turn into a 60 yard touchdown run, but a hundred and first in defensive success rate allowed uh 61st in defensive EPA. This is, I mean, this is a huge step back from the Baylor defense we saw last season, especially in terms of them being, you know, suffocating and annoying. Um, I don't think that they're, um, kind of, I'll say their middle five, like their, their linebackers and their two safeties are a particularly yeah. cohesive unit. Even if I think they're, they're two safeties, uh, excuse me, they're two cornerbacks, um, are fine in Johnson and Walcott. I, I don't think either of them is especially good, but I don't think either of them has especially been tested very hard because sure. there are other ways to exploit this defense in the run game and along the seams. Um, Walcott and Johnson aren't getting targeted because their pass rush is so good that, you know, I'm not going to risk throwing, waiting for a, a route 20 yards downfield to get a one-on-one against a mediocre corner. If Siaki Ika is going to come eat my lunch. No, that makes sense. Um, Walcott, by the way, uh, has allowed 73.2% reception percentage on 41 targets. Johnson, just a 45.8 reception percentage on 24 targets. Walcott, I will, I will note has missed 15 tackles this year so not necessarily good and, and if, if you look at the linebacker core dylan doyle who we singled out earlier uh has missed nine tackles um matt jones has missed seven at linebacker i was almost very very close to making a mike jones who reference there but i will not do that um yes so i i agree there's there's room to improve on the back end for baylor um, looking at just kind of some of their first order stats as well, they're, they're 51.7%, um, echo rate allowed that's 69th in the nation, 74th in points per echo, nice. 4.13. Um, from what you'd expect in a, in a Randa team, they're 32nd in field position. Um, and they're pretty decent on early downs. They're 46th in early downs EPA where they're really struggling is, is those third down situations, 95th, mm -hmm. like I said earlier in third and fourth downs, a huge split there. That's really leaving them pretty vulnerable. And I think it's because they don't have a lockdown guy in the secondary and they don't have kind of this, let me put him wherever on the field and just plug up the holes. I'm going to make a play Jalen Petrie kind of a guy, not to say that no. they won't ever have a guy like that. Again, I'm saying he's not developed. Whoever it is, is not developed. Two things. One, Baylor has a player on the roster named Reggie Bush, which is amazing. Secondly, Baylor is allowing 11.1 yards per reception as a team. Um, if you're throwing the ball against Baylor, there is a good chance that you're going to pick up a first down. So I know that's not directly what that stat means. Don't yell at me. But, no, I like um, it. I'm it's, okay with it's, it. It's, it's, it's a thing. Um. Parker, is there anything else we need to say about Baylor, or do you want to do uh, best case, worst case, then go to our listener predictions? We are already oh like gosh. an hour into the stack on podcast. Let's do this. I just looked at the clock. Yeah, I could keep yeah. pontificating. Um, it will be interesting to see what TCU does in terms of substitution, because Baylor's defensive line is, again, big dudes, and they'll rotate out a bunch. 
Yep. If you can not substitute and keep them on the field, you can get them tired. Um, and and that's something to to look at as well and really stress them. I want to see tempo from TCU um, always, but especially this weekend to make sure that Baylor and Dave Aranda don't have a ton of time to get the play call in, take a breath, get some new re- legs in and, and everything. I think that'll be important this weekend. Yeah. Let's do listeners first. If that's okay with you. Uh, yeah, I'm great with that. All right, so you asked, score prediction, offensive MVP, defensive MVP, and one place you'd rather spend the night than in Waco. Let's go. Mason Shireen, 37-30 TCU, Kendry Miller, Jeff Grimes slash Travis Hodges-Thompson, and in the Grizzly Bear exhibit at the Memphis Zoo. I want to say right away, our listeners got really creative with uh, alternatives to Waco. I will also say diplomatically, um, screen some of those. You'll know which ones. I will. Uh, Does Memphis have a zoo? Memphis has a great zoo. Memphis has a zoo. They they redid it relatively recently. They have like this Pacific Northwest kind of like polar bears and igloos kind of a thing. It's cool. It's great. It's great too. Great too. Sorry. One of the best zoos in America. Uh, Sorry, I'm I'm now reading a response that I find funny, but I cannot read on air. So yeah, I, I see what you mean. Uh, J.D. Moore, 31-21 TCU, Kendra Miller, Johnny Hodges, and rather stay tonight in Fargo. It has a good Scandinavian food scene. Um, never had Scandinavian food, but I'm curious. Um, Yell MK, friend of the podcast, 41-23 TCU, Imari DiMercato, uh, Dylan Horton, and Lubbock. Yeah, I'd probably stay in Lubbock over Waco. Uh, Melissa Treatwasser, unfamiliar name, don't know who that is, 31-30 TCU, Tay Barber, D. Winters, Treading water in the lake behind the Greek at TCU. Parker, are you aware of the nutria in the lake behind uh, TCU? I, yes, I have seen it. I know it's real. It's got to be real. We, um, there's a picture of uh, a friend of mine just like throwing up the deuce uh, beside a nutria there. Uh, interesting place. Nutria Toad, are disgusting. Uh, Don't let me go down this rabbit hole. They're very interesting. Were you in a fraternity? Anyway, uh, Toad Hefe at D. Duncan Soul. Uh, more Max slash Frog offensive regression every week. Don't necessarily disagree. But when uh, 30-24, Darius Davis, Bud Clark, and a motel in Killeen. Never been to Killeen. Gavin Griffin. Uh, can I point something out there just for a second? One, because I like Dave, and he responds a bunch and interacts a bunch, and so we're happy yeah, to true. have him. Um, as for regression, I think he's totally right. But I, I think part of that is just um, – there was a novelty at the beginning of the season. And as stuff gets on tape, you're going to find that most offenses generally uh, regress over the course of the season. So it's not that that's a good thing. I'm not saying, well, actually, it's good that TC is regressing. I'm saying, yep, that's a natural consequence of being successful with a newish kind of offense looking offense, not not having a lot of tape on it um, for opponents early in the season and kind of getting that on tape and two, getting your opponent's best shot as they're aware, oh, we've got to do some extra prep for this good TCU offense. So totally uh, opponents are... Coming after TCU, TCU harder, for sure. I think they're also playing better defenses. Um, one thing real quick, yeah. I'm also looking now at the roster. Baylor also has a player on the roster named Chateau Reed. Chateau is spelled like the uh, French country house. Sick as hell. Whether uh, Chateau would it be named as? I don't know, man. I'm saying it's spelled that way. Uh, Master of Activities, J.D. Sailors, friend of the pod. 31-17, uh, Jordy Sandy, the office MVP. Shout out, Jordy. Shout out, Jordy. Texas fans are harassing him. And you don't have to respond to this. I'm going to say it. Don't harass my punter. That was uncalled for. They were saying nasty things. Jordy's awesome. Uh, halftime, the defensive MVP, I like that. I think Joe's going to make some adjustments. And you'd rather stay at Paul Feinbaum's house. 
uh gavin griffin uh nhgg 5837 tc we scored 58 that'd be super fun uh max duggan jaboy hodge and his cats litter box uh uninformed frog 4517 tcu max duggan shad banks pedro lpd pablo uh 2824 kendra miller uh tht and navu alabama not familiar but i'd rather be there than waco gonna google it gonna search uh, yeah please do i'll keep reading frog dog 31 17 kindred travis hodges tomlinson and i'm not reading where he said steve stoughton 24 14 tcu max duggan d winters and under the highway 30 pass at university frog law 30 28 tcu uh kendra miller travis hodges tomlinson and a uh gunnison i don't know where that is in a blizzard you'd rather stay there in the waco Super Frogs, Baby Mama, 2428, TCU and Ames, Iowa. Uh, Boba Frog, 3821, QJ, THT, the inside of an active volcano. Uh, Matt Peterson, uh, TCU pulls away in the fourth, 4221. Kendra Miller, Josh Newton, and Mordor. I, yeah, but not the pass of Sirith Ungle. I don't like spiders. And I, I'm no, not, not going to. I'm not about that I, spider I'm not, life. I'm not dealing with Shelob. Also, as uh, someone who's who's embracing the reality of like the gray winter settling in and it being real mm-hmm. up here, I, I don't think there's enough sunlight and mortar. I I really don't think I could thrive there. Not enough vitamin D. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Geology frog, uh 4210 TCU, Diggers Davis, THT, and the men's bathroom at the pub. The men's bathroom at the pub got like four um shout outs. Uh I once threw up there. Um, Andy Swain, 3834 TCU, Darius Davidson, THT, Manfred Went, 4210, Kendra Miller, Shad Banks, and the Texags Politics Forum. Woof. Here be dragons. Woof. Uh, t- uh Toad Frog 140, 3427, Darius Davis, Jamoy Hodge, and Antarctica with no jackets. Uh, Colin Burns, CL Burns, 4225 TCU, Kendra Miller, Johnny Hodges. Uh, it's always sunny in Fort Worth, 3120. Dylan Sellers, 3421 TCU, Max, Josh Newton. Not going to read that. Guitars Cadillacs, uh, 3734, a TCU, Kendra Miller, Johnny Hodges, locked in a gas station bathroom by I-45 in Buffalo, Texas. Never been to Buffalo, Texas. I don't know where that is, actually. I'm um, learning all sorts of things. Um, yeah. Can I, I want to make sure we get to one, because one, yeah. our friends at Heim uh, responded and was, just said 40, 43, 44 to 31. Quentin Johnson is the offensive MVP. Horton is the defensive MVP. Then he says the pit and the silence of the lambs. That's funny. I like that. I pointed that out one specifically because someone responded to it and their tag is steely dad. <laughs> and I just feel like uh, I understand that guy. <laughs> I like that guy. Uh, <laughs> a couple more Connor Miller, 3728, Jared Wiley, Dylan Horton. He also said the bathroom at the pub. Carter, 3117 TCU, uh, Kendra, Dylan Horton, Mike Leach's Sweatshed, uh, uh, Great Davies Ghost, 3420, Davis Hodges, Pyongyang, and an Uncle Sam costume. I think uh, that I think that uh, Buffalo, Texas, because it's on 45, I think that's a joke of like, if I'm driving to Houston, I would rather go and stay halfway or like driving to Houston and Austin. Mm-hmm. Like it's basically the same distance from DFW as Waco, but it's like, on 45 so if you're going to houston or something you could like yeah. go around waco I, maybe that was a joke about that maybe it's just like another random small town in texas i don't yeah. know shout out to bucky's in madisonville texas um which is on 45 
a few more, and then we'll wrap up and get our get to our predictions. Doug Strout, 41-24, Max, THT, and Austin, Sam Thomas, 22-0. Sorry, 2 out of 20 to 0. We're going to pull the Georgia Tech Cumberland. Uh, Max, Trey, and the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, TCU, Tenno, Hypnotoe. That's TCU, Hypnotoe. 45-21, Max, Dylan Horton, and the Titanic. Uh, Tibbs, Bronkbuster, 37-17, Kendra Miller, Johnny Hodges, and Ashkabat, Turkmenistan. Um, Martin, B, uh, BA, BIP, God, 30, 31 7, Kendra, uh, and uh, Johnny Hodges. And then uh, we'll wrap up Andrew Forrest, 27 21, Savion, Terrell Cooper, and the Waffle House on Alta Mirror Drive. I have a lot of fond memories at that Waffle House. And I think I'm missing a quote tweet. Um, uh, at Amon G. Carter TCU, 47 27, Kendra Miller, D. Winters, and the Cecil Hotel in LA. I assume that's a reference that I don't get, but sure. Buffalo, Texas has two very interesting things about it, Grant. One, in 1959, a plane crashed. 29 people died. Not uh, great. No, no, excuse me. Uh, 34, 29 passengers, five crew members. And it was an 11-day-old Lockheed plane. And the Civil Aeronautics Board blamed the world mode prop theory, which is evidently something controversial that like, they invented to explain why this plane uh, died or crashed. So that's interesting. Also... They have uh, the brothers, Seth and Steve McKinney, who are both offensive linemen in the NFL from Buffalo, Texas. They're brothers. Well, Lottie, no. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power, brother. Parker, do you want to go best or worst case scenario first? Let's do worst case scenario first, and then we'll drag myself out of the the spiral. Okay. I, I, I think if Baylor wins this game, it is ugly and a slog. Um, I think there is a way where the offensive line um, for TCU caves under pressure like they did last week against Texas. I, I think if Baylor wins this game, it's like 10-10 at half, and it winds up being um, like 20-13 to 13 Baylor. I Yeah, I think we're doing 16-9 to nine again, worst-case scenario. Baylor just muddies this up, and maybe we, maybe we have a weird like 3-3 halftime or something. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think this gets very odd. Uh, that's the, the weirder, the better for Baylor. Obviously they're the yeah. underdog, right? Like, no, that's yeah, makes sense, for but, sure. um, I, I, I think that it's very much on the table that Baylor wins this game by 10 points and in just an amazing, amazingly odd fashion. Um, can I say something out loud that I hate to manifest in the world? TCU has negative special teams plays. That hasn't really happened this season, and that would be an example of negative regression that Baylor would take advantage of. That's probably worst case scenario is TCU blocked punt, snapped punt, safety gives up a gives up a kick return touchdown, something that they haven't done this season. There's a discussion we'll have um, like one Sunday. We should probably do it this Sunday. Let's mark that down. We talk about TCU special teams um, just as a whole um, because there's good answers. Add, and we need to uh, address that. Um, Parker just pulled a pencil out from behind his ear in case you were worried that he was. I, I just a, was thinking. A, a you said you said no, take no, that down. For it and down. then I thought, yeah. who's going to take that down? And then I thought, I have we a pen and a pad intern. of paper. But... <laughs> and then I thought, I write things down from this podcast all the time, but I put them all over the place. I have no idea, so I wrote it on a sticky note. I'm going to put the sticky note on the back of the computer, so I'll know it's there later. Colin Post is our intern. Parker, let's talk about best case scenario. He's uh, fired. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, Colin's our intern, and then he'll just text us things like, "Sorry guys, I haven't talked to you in a while. I've been in the in the wilderness for four days Eating with beans. only beans." 
That's real. That's not a joke. I didn't make that's that. That's not up. a joke. He texted us that. Um, best case. I think it was literally what the hell TCU basketball. And then he said, "Sorry, I've been off the grid for four <laughs> no. days. I was in the wilderness." <laughs> Uh, best case, TCU, TCU can win this game by a lot. Uh, like 41-17 is best case. Like Stone Cold Stunner. I'll say 35-35-9. Yeah. Just some kind okay. of ass whooping. Yep. Yeah. TCU hasn't had a good ass whooping, and I think there's potential for an ass whooping. Uh, yeah. Uh, in terms of actual predictions, I think it's going to be a little bit closer. I know you have this as like a one or two point win for TCU, so I don't want to spoil yours, but I think this turns out being... 38 24 TCU, I would say. 38 24. I like that. So my mine is about 31 29, like 30, 31 30, 31 29, somewhere in there for the numbers. Um, I mean, I think this is going to be similar to last year where it's going to be one team with all the juice, uh, you know, at home really playing to, to play spoiler in a rivalry game here. So I'm going to go 28 27. TCU. Ooh, I don't like that. Nope. Hate it. Very stressful. I, I, I am <laughs> I'm already on medication, brother. I don't need any more. <laughs> Could we do? Could we just sprinkle in for my pessimism? TCU goes up like 21 to 0. And no, then has to no, score a touchdown no, I don't, don't want to hear any of that, any of that stuff. <laughs> oh Keep man, it away. can always get worse. <laughs> That's the one lesson. Um, let's go around the Big 12, go around the NCAA for a quick whip around. And then we will wrap up. Kansas State is a seven and a half point favorite at West Virginia. I think Kansas State's rolling, man. Give me them to cover. It's a big spread, but I think they cover. I would take Kansas State by 10 if it was at home. Morgan said the same thing about Oklahoma last week. Morgantown's weird, man. Weird stuff going on over there. They just fired the AD. Maybe they get a fired AD bump. Who knows? Is that a thing? No. Fired coach bump is a thing. I was just making a joke about it. No, I know. I just, I was trying to think if that's been, yeah. Uh, but they're, I mean, they're going to fire, sorry, for the, for uh, educational purposes, uh, for the general audience, um, they're going to fire Neil Brown, common practice to fire the AD, let the new AD come in and fire Neil Brown and then hire his own guy. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they wait until the end of the season. I was talking with the guys from Voice of Morgantown, um, or excuse me, Voice of Motown, which I think I, I, I miss, uh, misstated the other day. I wouldn't be surprised if they wait till the end, but. Anyway, buyout um, doesn't go down. Might as might as well let him try and keep the class intact for as long as possible. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah, yeah, this is not that kind of podcast. Sorry, and he's like no, no, no. And he's like a nice guy. Like they, it's not like he's done anything to piss people off. He just has won games. Like they, yes. If Scott Satterfield was in the situation that Neil Brown was in, he would have been fired like four weeks ago. But Scott yes, Satterfield, something to be said, That's the thing. There's something to be said for being nice. No, that's all I'm saying. Is there's something to be yeah, said? That, for no, 100. Nice. Yeah, uh, Texas is a nine point favorite at Kansas. I think Texas wins, but give me Kansas to cover, baby. Yeah. Can I paint a vision for you? Let's say sure. last week you hosted game day and you thought you were going to right the ship and uh, beat a top five team that you were favored to win against and reclaim your crown and set yourself up for a really nice 2023 run. And you score zero points in the first half and zero offensive touchdowns. And the next week you have to go to freaking Lawrence, Kansas in a game no one is going to watch at at 3:30 in the afternoon and it's going to be what like 33 degrees and windy Something like that. it's going to be miserable yep give me give me Kansas uh to cover for sure Iowa State is a three and a half point favorite hosting Texas Tech. Let me tell you, I could not care less about this game. I'll watch tape because TCU has to play Iowa State. 
uh, next week. But uh, this is a uh, sure. I I think I take Iowa State to cover, but this is a total. Who cares? I Iowa State, yeah, Iowa State already ruined the um, the everyone in the Big Twelve is bowl eligible scenario, so they can lose again. That's fine. Um, Tyler Shuck, pretty okay when they like can run the offense around him. So there's a world we talked about this on Sunday, or maybe I was talking about it with someone else. But there's a world where Texas Tech and Oklahoma next week is for bowl eligibility, which would be very entertaining. Oh, I then I have a very strong vested interest in in Iowa State winning this game. I think that would be yes, very fun. I it's... do too, because Bedlam is this weekend. Oklahoma State at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is a seven and a half point favorite hosting Oklahoma State. I know Oklahoma State is banged up. I'm still taking Oklahoma State. I, I would say to win outright. Um, I think that Oklahoma State's been doing the hey our season shot. So let's just stay healthy and make sure we can beat Oklahoma. Um, yeah. kind of thing. I, I, I take them out right. Let's go national for a couple of games. Um, no particular order. Utah is at Oregon. Oregon's a two-point favorite. Um, I know Oregon just lost. I'm still taking Oregon. Here. I liked Oregon a lot. The only reason I didn't give it out as official play on the BetUS show is because we're not 100% sure that Bo Nix is back. And if he's out, yeah. they have not given that back up any yeah. reps. But mm. yeah. Yeah. If he's out, obviously take Utah. But if he's playing and... 90% healthy. I, I like Oregon here. Um, another Pac-12 game. Uh, UCLA is hosting USC. USC is a two-point favorite. That would have been a lot more fun if UCLA hadn't lost last week, but I'm taking USC uh, there. My USC under nine and a half wins uh, ticket is just holding on for dear life This uh, these last two <laughs> weeks here. So I'll hedge my bets and bet USC money line on both of those. <laughs> okay, great. Those are only ranked, only other ranked games coming. Uh, it's okay, pretty. It's, it's pretty kind of a thin state. Thin, black thin and days Okay, here's one game I want to ask you about, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, Tennessee is a 21 and a half point favorite at South Carolina. A, that's a huge spread. B, am I crazy thinking that South Carolina may cover that? They're feisty. They're not going to win, but I think they're feisty. I I think it's honestly this is dumb. Uh, I think it's more likely that South Carolina wins this game than they cover, just in terms of like the way the game flow works well, out. I, I got to tell you about how that works because if they win, then they cover. Well, the, but you know what I mean. Lose and cover. Yes, like I think that I think that they either they either outright win or they get blown out entirely gotcha. by like gotcha. forty. Yes. Um. You saw like Tennessee. I'm calling this loser behavior behavior just because of morons online who keep hopping. I somehow I'm getting tagged in all these discussions about TCU over Tennessee in the playoff. And I don't know how I can tell people anymore. Like one, I don't make those rankings Two, I don't care. Uh, I, I don't care. You can have it. That's fine. Like I don't, I, this is an imaginary discussion about nothing. Please leave me alone. Um, but two people forget that Tennessee is one of the worst fan bases in the nation. Just given the fact that they've had like a little bit of success here and have just turned uh, almost unbearable. Um, I I'm calling it loser behavior that they are running tempo up 30 against no, disagree and scoring a touchy TV. No, disagree. I think that's dumb. I disagree. I Run up score. Don't give it. Don't care. Think Run it up, dumb. baby. They had the backups in. That was the backups. You don't have to run tempo. You always run tempo. Parker. This has been purple theory podcast. My name 
is Grant McGalley. You can find me on Twitter at Grant McGalley, or it's spelled like it sounds with all those vowels. I will be on the Too Much Dip live stream. When you're listening to this Thursday, that is tonight at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on YouTube. Go to Too Much Dip. Um, joining Dave and Dylan and KJ, we're going to be picking games, uh, talking a little bit of college football, talking a little NFL, just doing sports. Very excited for that. He is Parker Fleming. He is at Stats O War. Uh, he was on the Bet US show recently and every week. And you can find that on YouTube at what's the name of the channel? Uh, Bet US NCAA F show on YouTube. And uh, tomorrow morning, Parker's previews on the hammer will come out. That one went 4 0 last week. So doing pretty Ooh. all right over there. Uh, tail Parker. Which is weird because I've had, had bad weeks on the Bet US show and had really good weeks on the hammer show. And it's just like one or two games that I'm picking differently. So, you know, life happens. Life happens. As always, go to frogstoday.com for all of your TCU news and analysis. We will see you on Sunday after hopefully yet another TCU Horn Frog win. Parker, go frogs. Go frogs. <laughs>